Welcome back to Kettlebells and Cocktails. This is another Focus on Female episode, and I am so excited to have one of my close friends and also expert in the field of all things sort of like women and fitness in various stages of life. Christina Previtt is here. How are you doing? Welcome. I'm doing so good. I'm so excited to be talking about this. And I always love the chance to catch up with you. So it's the best excuse ever. I could do a hundred Focus on Female episodes with you alone and all of the different things that you are working on in your research and in your work and in your kind of like focusing on women in different aspects of life. Can you, before we dive into what we're going to be talking about today, which is mainly women in training during the pregnancy postpartum type phases of life. Can you just give a big overview on all of the amazing work that you're doing, please? Yeah. Because it's all so, epic. So I'm I'm an internal pelvic floor physical therapist by background. I've been a PT for about 10 years. And I have kind of two areas that I am specializing in. And one is the pregnancy postpartum space, pelvic health space. And then the other space is in geriatrics. So I recently completed my PhD on high load resistance training for at-risk older adults with the idea being that many of our older adults, many of our master's athletes, not in the CrossFit space, but outside of the CrossFit space, tend to get messages that are very fearful around strength training or impact. Don't run anymore. It's bad for your knees. You should try swimming. Let's not lift this heavy weight. You could hurt yourself. Like you're going to cause arthritis. All of these very fear invoking messages that over time start to create this fear of movement or thought that intensity is bad in exercise. And my PhD looked at, can we do high load training with individuals in their seventies, eighties, and nineties with the beginnings of frailty on board to push against that narrative? While I was doing my PhD, I got pregnant <laughs> twice, actually. And perfect timing. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. Perfect timing. And when I was pregnant, I was a competitive weightlifter. I had just come off of competing at nationals in Canada. Not any high level, like, but I was happy to be there. That's pretty high level for what <laughs> it's worth. And, it is. and when I was weightlifting, people were telling me that I was going to be doing all this harmful things or do you think this is good for the baby and various aspects of that. And my PhD brain was like, now I need to look at what the research is showing in resistance training. And it was legitimately seated exercise or using a TheraBand for exercise for our pregnant individuals. And it was worse than our geriatric prescriptions. Like it was lo- less dosage than our older adults were getting, who were frail, who were having all of these complexities. And so I ended up sending an email out to Margie Davenport, who is a very well-known researcher. I'm so thankful for her to answering my random email thing. I have this idea. And that kind of started this whole secondary research aim for me, which was looking at high load resistance training during pregnancy. And so now that I'm on the other side of my PhD, I'm trying to figure out and there's still a lot of ducks that need to go into a row, but how can we look at pelvic floor dysfunction, physical function during big swings in the female lifespan? Because we know that pelvic floor dysfunction increases when there's huge changes. So high estrogen, that's puberty, that's pregnancy, low estrogen, that's postpartum, and that's menopause. 
And that's where we see the highest rates of pelvic floor issues come in the female lifespan. And so the recommendations are often don't do anything of impact, don't lift heavy weight. But we know that strength is protective. We know that being strong is helpful. We know that down the road, me as an 80-year-old, I want to have as much muscle on my frame so that I can be as independent as I want to be when I'm 80, 90, hopefully 100. And I'll be like in one of those blue zones, like the new Netflix show. Hell yeah. That's nice. <laughs> so many sweet potatoes in your future. So many. So many. I know. I loved it. I loved it. But, you know, so how do we look at that, that interaction? And then how do we create this narrative that doesn't sweep pelvic floor dysfunction under the rug? but rather gives you navigational buoys. How do we tell you what are the signs and symptoms to look out for? How do we modify or amend the way that you are exercising if you are experiencing these things and switch this narrative from an empowerment-focused message where pelvic floor dysfunction is just like a cranky elbow if we're doing a lot of exercise. We know who to go to, what to do when we're experiencing those symptoms, but it's not the message of, you shouldn't have been doing that in the first place and like shame on you for doing this exercise because you're going to cause all of these permanent long lasting issues. So really just trying to change the narrative and realizing that the research wasn't there threw me down this path of if the research isn't there, then I need to help create it. That's right. That's right. And what I love about you doing that is from a personal perspective, when I was pregnant with my son, I had nowhere to turn that was a medical professional who could give me information about what I was doing in terms of my choice for fitness, which is CrossFit, which means high heart rate stuff, which means high load stuff, resistance training, all the above. And there are lots of resources that exist, right? There are websites you can Google and training programs that exist even within our CrossFit space that are pregnancy and postpartum focused. That is true. But I was really frustrated at 10 different websites telling me 10 different things. And I wanted just to be able to say, I have a medical professional in my life who has given me this advice. And I know that a million different people will tell me a million different things, but I'm choosing to believe my one. That is what I needed with so many different messages and so many different things going on in my brain. I needed like my OB or a nurse midwife or a fucking doula who's fit. I needed I needed one person to be able to be my resource and be the person that I could ask and trust and not go to Google. Because when you are pregnant and you have questions and you go to Google, you might as well gouge your eyes out. Like it is, it's terrible and, and everything is going to kill you and your baby. So like, just don't Google thing. <laughs> Yeah. It's better to have a resource. So that's why I'm I'm so thrilled that you've been doing this work. And I'm sorry to you too, that it came out of frustration of also not having the information available when you needed it. But now that you've been devoting this time and effort and energy into bringing all of this information together through research and science and through your medical background as well, you've developed what I'm so excited to talk more about today, which is the Barbell Mamas. Yeah, so... You're right. You can look at 10 different programs and they can have 10 different prescriptions. Mm -hmm. And I think the important part is when you are trying to sell a program to a pregnant person, you have to cater it to the lowest common denominator because every, and, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I mean, when you're trying to go to the massive, the nuance of it depends just 
doesn't exist because you're not there in front of that person, right? You're not the medical provider in the same room with a person that is able to say, oh, like this is it, but your, your deadlift is 300 pounds. So maybe we can move from a 55 pound bar to a 95 pound bar and you would be okay with that in your pregnancy at this stage for you. And so it can, it can be extremely frustrating and recognizing too that in pregnancy, it is such a protected time in a female's life. The consequence of something going wrong is dire. And so we tend to have this knee-jerk reaction to be very conservative. So I don't mean to, to infer that there, there isn't a reason why we tend to be conservative. And it's important to know that research takes time. Mm-hmm. because we've really only in the last 10 years seen this huge boom in strength-based sport that is pushing researchers to have this need to create this research. And so I recognize that that takes time. And the Barbell Mamas came out of, how do I put it to pen into a research or into a exercise program? Yeah. And so we have pregnant and postpartum programs for CrossFit, weightlifting, and powerlifting. And instead of saying, this is your week, this is what you're going to do, or here's my general lower prescription for what I think most people are going to be able to do, we provided filters and specific pregnancy filters and specific postpartum filters. The idea being, here's the program for the day. If you are 12 weeks pregnant, we're going to try and, or in the first trimester, This is where we're going to put you. If you are later in your pregnancy, and I just said later, I didn't say second, I didn't say third, because later for some people is 38 weeks and later for other people is 18. And both, none of those are wrong. Then here is some modifications for you later on in pregnancy or if baby bump is starting to get in the way. Because again, baby may start to get in the way at the bottom position of a clean at 20 weeks for some people and for others, it's 40 weeks. And then we did filters for things like pelvic pain, like a lot of individuals during pregnancy start to have SI joint or hip pain and say, okay, here's the program. But if you are experiencing this pain, here's how I want you to modify it. Mm -hmm. And so the idea was that we weren't going to get this underdose prescription for these people where they don't feel like they are doing anything in the gym, but we're also being respectful of the way that the body changes during pregnancy. And then similarly, postpartum, we have some people who are going to start our postpartum exercise program at four weeks and others who are not going to have the chance to get into the gym, even if they wanted to until 16, 18, six months postpartum. So it's going to be very different day one for a person who's four weeks postpartum than a person who's 18 weeks postpartum, even though it may be their first day in the gym. And so we have filters for that. So our postpartum programs have a early postpartum filter a C-section filter, a a leaking filter, a heaviness filter, a diastasis recti filter. So if you are struggling with any of these things that are common, especially early on postpartum, here's the program, but here's what I want you to do for you. Because we had so many people who were saying, I feel like I'm bugging my coaches because I feel like I always need modification. My coaches don't have training in what it means to be postpartum. They've never had to modify for a person who's just had a baby and they felt very lost or they felt vulnerable because Mm -hmm. they didn't know if what they were doing was right for them. So the idea was to try and 
cater to as many people as possible and give them the answer to it depends within kind of these these buoys with the program. The program is not easy. Like you are not taking it easy on any of the women in any stage of life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that sometimes that is that is just like it's just a massive misconception. And it is also one of the problems that I had when I was like, I don't want to stop working hard. I don't want to stop heavy breathing. I don't want to stop pushing to I'm not going to be at 90% of my max, but I'd like to be at 70. I'd like to be at 80. I'd like to feel sore in my muscles. Is that okay? And I will never forget the first time I asked my nurse at my last OB's office. And she was like, we really recommend pregnant women not lift more than about 25 pounds. And I was like, maybe nine weeks-ish. And I had like, I had literally just the day before clean and jerked like 165 pounds and felt amazing. Didn't put a belt on, but I was like, I think that I still feel good about this, which for me is big girl weight, not for everyone listening (laughs) for the wonderful Olympic lifters. But for me, that was like, I'm pushing it. You know what I mean? And I still feel good. So can you just talk a little bit about the choices that you made in your programming and why that is still something that you're recommending women in those stages of life, if and when it feels good? Yeah. Are you speaking to pregnancy or postpartum or do you want me to tackle both? Uh, Let's hear both. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for pregnancy, um, we're starting to have more and more research that things like the heart rate restrictions that used to be really common of don't let your heart rate go over 140 beats per minute are not realistic. Oh, Uh, is it 140? It's kind of honestly walking upstairs, right? Yeah. Like that's me like, like looking at a piece of cake. Is that what it really was? Oh, dang. Okay. So where a lot of these things came from was that the, the recommendation was to stay at moderate intensity. And that was where you wanted to go, but we didn't have any research in high intensity. So right. 220 minus our age is for first pregnancy, average age now is about 30. So that's 190, 190 times 0. 0.6, 0. 0.7 in that moderate range. You're in this 140. And then this Hello. bad case of, and then the bad case of telephone happened. And now it's like, absolutely do not go above that. Right. right? right. So, and, and so that's how these recommendations, I think, really took hold. And we had one research study that saw blips on fetal ultrasound when women were at a 90 plus percent of their VO2 max, these elite endurance athletes. There wasn't a control group. We didn't know if that fetal tracing was something that if we watched baby on mom's belly the entire day, if they would see these things, but it was enough to cause us to be more cautious. And then since then, we now have more research that a systematic review on vigorous intensity exercise in the third trimester. And now what we're starting to see is that actually baby's heart rate will go up just as not as much as mom's, but it'll go up when mom is exercising, when her heart rate goes up, baby's heart rate goes up. And it's starting to show some signs of cardiac conditioning in baby. So it's like mom's getting fitter, but also your fetus is getting, your baby's getting fitter too, which is cool. Like we've almost seen this big shift. And so when I was designing the pregnant program, I wanted to be able to make these individuals who love exercising in these ways still feel like they're exercising in this way. Because oftentimes you feel like you're modifying everything. You're used to pushing it in the gym and now everybody's telling you not to. And you're feeling guilty that you hate it. (laughs) So many moms feel guilty that they hate it. They Everyone's like, oh, but you're going to get this sweet baby. It's like, yes, but I loved this part of myself. 
This was something that I looked forward to every day. I worked so hard to be able to snatch this weight. And now you're telling me to take snatches out of my program. And so we tried to be very mindful of saying, this is where, like, these are signs that you shouldn't be doing this. But if you don't have those signs, here's ways for you still to get a training stimulus to keep your body strong. And that'll set you up so much better in the postpartum period than this deconditioning that we have. And we're going to have some loss of muscle mass and we're, we're going to have some deconditioning for sure. And then there's so many things that come up in pregnancy that are outside of our control. Mm, but like cankles. We, mm. Like cankles. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Mm. But for example, my Olympic weightlifters, people get told to stop snatching. And for, I just put out a, a podcast episode about ways to modify the Olympic weightlifts during pregnancy, but I need to be able to hold weight over their head in their shoulders, mm -hmm. like not even talking about core and pelvic floor. So we may not be snatching because you're going to just do this big loop around the bar. And it's not going to be that great from a performance perspective. But I can absolutely get you tempo overhead squatting right up until delivery. I can absolutely get you to be doing snatch balances to keep that upper body strength. Because what we're starting to see postpartum is that while, yes, there are some pelvic issues, for example, with runners, one of their biggest issues is that their lower body gets injured. And it's like shin splints and mm -hmm. knee pain. It's not I'm leaking where it may be for some, but everyone's like, my ankles are really sore. Because we've taken that impact away from them for so long that when they're starting to get back into it, the rest of their body is also not used to it. In right. CrossFit, it's stop doing all gymnastics. Okay, but then their grip sucks. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it takes so long to get your grip back. And so it has nothing to do with your core. It's that you physically cannot hold on to the bar anymore. So how can we keep you hanging from the bar respecting where you are during your pregnancy to still get that strengthening that you need for your sport and do that into the postpartum period. So really have tried to, to keep the weight side of it, like the strengthening side of it there and, and being mindful of where you are. So we do that with giving options for later pregnancy, giving suggested weights, and then being aware that people are going to move within those navigational buoys and then giving them signs and symptoms to look out for. For example, in pregnancy, I feel like I'm going on a tangent here. No, Sorry. bring it on. All right. I like, love it. In pregnancy, like lying on your back, right? People say, don't ever lie on your back. This is for something called uh, supine hypotensive syndrome, where as baby comes out of your pelvis, it can put compression on one of the blood supplies and it could affect blood supply to the baby. You are going to feel that in exercise. So I have some people who, as soon as they start warming up with an unweighted glute bridge, they're pregnant and they start to feel dizzy. I have other people that can stay through an entire pelvic floor exam, 30, 40 minutes on their back, and they're totally fine. And so, for example, with bench press, we don't take bench press out of a pregnant program. We do it all the way up until delivery. But we say, if you are feeling unwell, dizzy, it does not feel good on your body today. I'm going to get you to go up to an incline and take the percentage down because you can't lift the same in an incline bench press as you can on a flat bench, especially if you haven't trained it. So here's the program. But if for your pregnancy, this does not feel great, here's the option. 
And so we don't have to get rid of it. I love those really specific markers to look out for and really specific ways to modify because what I what I hated hearing was oh your body will just your body will tell you when when you need to pull back and I'm like bitch I've been crossfitting for over a decade I have trained my body and my brain to do nothing but push through every red flag that I should be pulling back that yeah. like that's what and, the, and that's what my original OB told me where she was like you, you'll know you'll know when to throttle it down and I'm like bro all my all my athlete brain knows to do is be like oh no I can't breathe you know what I can do 10 more oh and yeah that, that that is not like a very specific thing to look out for or a feeling to look out for or a type of pain to look out for so I really do love you guys nailing down like hey in this position you may feel x y or z do this instead yeah. And not yeah. just generally like, if you feel like it, just do less weight like that. We we need more when we are in those moments of life, because there's not a lot of going back to our way original point. Like there's not a lot of layman's terms out there for like all, all I had ever heard was like, don't lay on your back. You could kill the baby. Like, OK, great. That doesn't make any sense to me. But for someone to be like, it could this nerve and it cuts off blood supply and you might start feeling dizzy or you might start feeling pain right here or you might whatever like those really specific what am I even going to call them feelings or symptoms those really specific symptoms when you're doing an athletic movement there's nowhere that that resource exists like a yeah. glute bridge might make you feel this kind of thing that could be dangerous or a bench press might make you feel this kind of thing that could be dangerous all I ever heard was don't sleep on your back yeah and we we know too that most people aren't going to be symptomatic, most people, until about seven minutes in. And so again, oh, that's interesting. Have, yeah, because it just takes that time. Like you're not completely blocking off blood supply. It's just putting pressure there. And where baby moves and the position of your body and how long your torso is, how big baby is, all of those things are going to influence it. And so not everybody experiences this. But we want to be mindful that this could be something that happens. And again, now we have a systematic review that said that there, there wasn't any adverse events when women decided to exercise on their back during pregnancy. However, these are things to look out for so that you know when your body is sending that signal that this is, this is too much for you. And the other thing that we really wanted to add on was around pain. Because when individuals are pregnant and they start experiencing pelvic pain, either whether, whether it's at their pubic symphysis, like that joint in the front, like right by your crotch or in the back where we would describe those two S, a lot of times people say it'll get better when the baby's born. And you're like, that's great. I'm 16 weeks pregnant. I'm not even big yet. And now you're spiraling, right? Mm -hmm. Think, oh my gosh, this is going to get so bad. Like, should I stop working out? All those types of things. And we know exercise can be so helpful. And we know that getting into the gym and doing things that doesn't hurt is going to help with that pain. And that was the same thing. We tried to give you a program that respected, okay, if your pelvis is not feeling good right now, here are ways for you to still exercise in a way that's respecting that pain and helping you get through it because some of the things I'm like I'm not getting you to modify because this is really great for helping with pelvic pain like it's a strengthening exercise like we put in accessory movements that are aiming to help 
with strength around the hips because our hips widen and we have a lot more range of motion than we had before because of that circulating hormone to get ready for birth. And that's something that is really, really important. The last feature of the program that we are really proud of and and we really try and make an important part is that we put in what we call birth prep workouts. So one of the things that we see a lot with our CrossFitters is that they are very good at tightening up their pelvic floor when they are trying to hold their breath so that they can lift heavy weights. When you are pushing baby out, you are holding your breath and having to relax your pelvic floor, which is the exact opposite of our training. Yeah. That takes some time to unlearn and trying to unlearn it while your body is in a contraction during delivery is not that time. We put it in every week and we, we say like, I want you to prioritize this as if it was any other Metcon and it is 10 to 12 minutes of putting your body into a position where your pelvic floor is more relaxed or more lengthened and focusing on breathing and trying those, those holding your breath, but relaxing the pelvic floor so that hopefully we don't have an issue where baby isn't progressing vaginally. Cause we can see some individuals end up with a C-section for failure to progress where baby is just not descending. And for some of our barbell athletes, our thoughts, and and again, we don't have research into this. This is just clinically what we see is if we don't know how to relax, we can try to breathe out as we're going through contractions, but we know that's only 50-50 because we just tend to be stronger with the breath hold. We can end up kind of delaying our own progress in delivery. And so one of the other features of the Barbell Mamas programming is these birth workouts, birth prep workouts that are very much aimed at trying to relax and get you to unlearn some of that Valsalva so that during your big D-Day, you can rely on that. And it takes time to learn that. Oh yeah. I had, I had, so I saw pelvic floor PT while I was pregnant and I had that where she was like all up in my junk and she was like, wow, your muscles are really tight down here. And I was like, thank you. And she was like, no, no, we need to work on this. And it was really interesting. She had me hooked up to some like electrodes that could Mm -hmm. sense whether or not my muscles were tight or loose and like messed with different positions, like laying on my side, one knee up on my back, knees open, knees shut, whatever. And like trying to find the position where I was the least amount of tense with all my pelvic floor muscles. And the, the idea was like, maybe you could deliver on your side because that could be, and then like all hell goes, that, that all, everything goes to shit when you're in the middle of it. And you're like, I don't just get me a goddamn epidural. I'll lay where, however you want me to make it happen. Oh. But it was really interesting to learn that and to learn to your point, like the, the ways I needed to put my body and the things that I needed to try to do in order to relax that part of my musculature, which I truly did not even know existed until that part of my life and then trying to re-strengthen it again after the fact yeah also enough yeah and our pelvic floor is a reflexive system like we shouldn't really be thinking about our pelvic floor and we only do when either something goes wrong and we're peeing or pooping when we don't want to be we're pregnant and people tell us that we're going to ruin our pelvic floor so we become mm. aware of it or postpartum when we're starting to retrain 
and and get into exercise and movement again. That kind of bridges us into our postpartum program. There's a lot of like very general kind of foundational work that people focus on in the postpartum period. Like there's a lot of programs that you can get that focus on breathing and trying to do some gentle contractions of our core and some gentle movements of our body. And, and they're all phenomenal. Like I, this is not against any of that, but the bridge between doing TA contractions on our back and being able to get back to muscle ups is one that is hard for a lot of athletes. They don't have that guidance. We can say go to pelvic floor PT, but pelvic floor PT is expensive. It's worth it, but I'm not, I recognize that not everyone is going to have access to that, whether it's not geographically ready, like not available for them, whether they have a provider that knows their sport, the cost, health insurance, like their baby. And if they can get out of the house, like there's telemedicine options, but you know, like there's just, there is known barriers. And so these programs can be really wonderful to try and build foundations. But I am a person who believes that outside of the first couple of weeks, there is a lot of pelvic floor and core rehab that we can do that also looks like the sport that you want to participate in. We are getting a lot of core training when we are doing some of the movements in CrossFit. And so our Barbell Mama's postpartum rehab program looks a lot like getting back into these movements. And then we add in some extra core work and some pelvic floor connection work in those programs because that's what we want that core strength for, for for everyday life, but also for our fitness journey. And so a lot of people think that they're going to come into day one of this program and they're going to be doing, you know, glute bridges and, and things like that. And they may do it as accessories, but day one, week one, is like empty barbell and we're going to start getting into snatch patterns and like overhead and and we're going to start hanging from the bar and working on breathing and can we contract our our core and still breathe while we're holding up from a bar what's the thing that feels like it's the hardest is it your grip is it your shoulders is it your core and again we have these filters if you're early postpartum here's how we're going to take this impact down to respect tissue healing because that's we can't work around that. Like it takes a certain amount of time for our vagina and our core to heal after having delivered. But in order for our bodies to heal, we have to stress those tissues. And so this idea of not doing anything, um, I, we just, we're starting to get more research to show that doing six weeks of doing nothing is not going to protect potentially our pelvic floor. And then it's just so unrealistic for moms who have other kids at home or people that don't have maternity leave or like there's so many different examples where people are going back to work at four to six weeks postpartum like entrepreneurs don't have maternity leave that doesn't exist for us like I started treating three weeks postpartum and trust me my core was not exactly ready to be holding other people's limbs but I had started exercising at two weeks postpartum so at least I had something like there's just we want to, to create this bridge. And so the idea of our postpartum programs is how do we give you programming that makes you feel like you are setting yourself up to get back to your community? And that is the most important thing for our moms. That's what they need, right? They need their tribe around them. Postpartum feels so lonely. It can feel so overwhelming. Your, wife, your life changes so immediately. 
And if you have a program that you can do alongside the class that respects where your healing is, but you also have all your friends and your coach is holding your baby and you just have that osmosis of energy from everyone around you, I think it can just be so magical. So that was, that was the idea. And very healing. Like so many of us are in the gym being active as a form of therapy. And that's sort of like another hat that you guys wear as the leaders of this program that is sort of unofficial, right? And I think all of us who step into a gym and even myself as a CrossFit coach, like sort of unofficially wear that therapist hat because we really respect that we are in the gym to like look good, feel good, be healthy, live to 100, blah, blah, blah. But also because it does something for our mental health to just feel, (laughs) right? Feel the difficulty of the movements feel accomplished when we're when we're in there doing things that hitting goals and and also like literally feel the endorphins that come from being active it's also important so in a period of time where you are maybe lost or maybe overwhelmed or maybe in a lot of physical and mental pain depending on your situation like having the opportunity to come to come back to something that you know and love and to be around like-minded people, I think can be the most healing. The best thing I ever did for myself when I, cause I was, I had postpartum anxiety, like really, really bad. The best thing that I did for myself was sign up for one of those dorky new mom groups, which I like totally did not think was going to be my jam. Like that's not the kind of mom that I really am is like sitting in a circle with other new moms and kind of like commiserating about how crazy we all feel but it was the most wonderful healing thing that I could have done because I instantly did not feel like a crazy pants. I was like, oh my God, we're all freaking out about the binky hitting the floor. Like it's not just me. And it, that it's not just me mentality is I think what truly humanizes us because it, it allows you to feel a part of something greater, which makes your individual concerns feel so much smaller and more manageable. So I do think yeah. that 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 element of community that you guys are building is so important. And how does that work? Like when someone wants to like be a part of Barbell Mamas, like do they get access to you and your brain and knowledge and wealth of information on this stuff? How does it all work? Yeah, so we have a Facebook group that individuals can use. But I'll be honest, most people are interacting with us through our app. So you can message us directly if you have any questions. And I've had plenty of times where people are emailing me or sorry, uh, video messaging me through the app and saying like, does this look normal? Like, how does my abs look with this? Like, is this something that I need to be worried about? And I can do a quick check and say, no, everything looks good. Or "Mm, that maybe like you're pushing it a little bit too much. Try this cue and this cue and then send me another video and let's see. And those types of things can be really, really helpful to just have that peace of mind, right? We we want to know that we are being safe and we want to feel supported that we are doing the right thing. And that was really where the Barbara Mamas came from is how can I have somebody in my corner that is going to guide me in a way that makes me feel safe, that makes me feel mm-hmm. empowered, that I know that I am doing the thing that I love, but I'm doing it in a way that's going to respect where my body is healing this time. And so that's been really wonderful to be able to be that person for individuals and do it in a way that is more cost effective for many people who may have that financial challenge of being able to see a provider 
And then I also, because of all of the work that I do teaching in this space to other PTs, the other thing is great is I get to be this conduit. And someone's like, oh, like this is a little bit too much. I was like, this might be where we go and see a pelvic PT if you can. Yeah. Where are you located? Let me click into my network and see if there's somebody that I know does pelvic health, but also knows your sport mm-hmm. and would be able to guide you. And for clinicians, a lot of them have used the Barbell Mamas and said, like, here's a couple of programs. Like, you cool. are a CrossFitter. You want to do this. Like, here's things that you could follow. Like, I can do your checks around where you are from a hearing perspective. And then here's the, the program that you can follow with your home exercise program to get you back cool. to your gym. Yeah, because no, one of the cool I, things. No, you go ahead. No, you go. One of one of the things from our research study that was looking at women who continued to lift heavy during their pregnancy is that they did have lower rates of postpartum anxiety and depression mm-hmm. compared to our general national norms. So I think you hit on something completely. Like I can't say that it's the resistance training, especially when you're working with a group of crossfitters, because it was probably the move your body in combination with getting to move your body with friends. Yeah. So that connection piece, you're right, is is just so so important. Yeah. I cannot even begin to stress the value of having a resource that you know and trust throughout that stage of life because I just, I I have already said it, but I'll say it again. Like it is so frustrating not knowing where to turn when you have really serious questions about like, can I do this? Is this okay? Am I at the stage yet where I'm doing a thing that is a, like, I'll use coning as an example, even though that in and of itself is like, controversial these days right yeah but like am I presenting pressure in a way that could potentially be disruptive to my goals right now and I don't know I remember being like I remember like hanging off a bar being like Matt is my am I coning and he was like I don't know your belly's kind of like moving from one thing to another and he's like do you see it and I'm like I don't know do you see it it was so awkward like you've never been through it before you don't know what you're doing and and again, when you Google it, you get 10 different answers. So like the the validity of having just a single resource that you have just decided, like you you drew your line in the sand, like this is the program I'm following and this is the coach that I'm talking to and I'm going to do what she says because she's a professional in X, Y, and Z ways. Like that security around your decision-making in a time of your life where everything else is kind of like out of your control including what your body's doing is so invaluable. And I actually think, I mean, anything, anything and everything can happen postpartum, right? Because hormones are a bitch and no one can control how that goes. But I do think you can do the most possible to set yourself up for success on the back end. And there's like a lot to be said for staying nice and, and even keeled in terms of your mental health going into your delivery. And if working out is one of those things that helps you be there, you got to do it and doing it without additional freakouts. Like, oh God, can I be doing this? Should I even still be doing toaster bar? Rowing hurts. Why does that happening? Like what else can I do? Did I work out too hard? Did I push it too hard? Did I ruin something? Did I break something? Like these are real questions that you have throughout 40 weeks because you can't help it because you have like a precious life that you're trying to facilitate, but you still have your own life that you're trying to facilitate. It is an impossible ask. I know. It really so is. Hard. And that's why our, the Barbell Mamas podcast started. One day mm-hmm. I was sitting and I was just thinking about, I'm like, I'm going to brainstorm the question that 
mamas have during pregnancy and postpartum related to CrossFit pregnancy weightlifting. And I sat there for about 40 minutes and I came up with 80 questions. I could probably come up with 80 questions in in this moment. Right. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do a podcast. Because I was like, how can I help control the messaging and give a place where all of the things that you want to know, I am trying to answer for you to the best of my ability. Like how, when do you go back to bracing? When can you go back to using a weightlifting belt? Like when do I have to kick that out during pregnancy? Can I exercise before six weeks? I'm going stir crazy. Like all of these things. And we, we tried to create this podcast that's not catered to the clinician. Cause I feel like there's a lot of podcasts that give really great information to clinicians, but the language can sometimes be too high for somebody who doesn't have that medical background. The idea with the Barbell Mamas podcast was how do I talk to the person that is in my room, treatment room, pregnant? Like, what would I say to her if she was asking me these questions? And that was the filter that we took through for the Barbell Mamas podcast. And it has been, it's, we're still new. We were were only like 20 episodes in, but it has been really wonderful. The reception that people have had saying this is so helpful to get this information and it felt like something that needed more long form because to hear my voice and to say you are safe like around Mm -hmm. c-section for example if you are feeling this way know that you are not alone you are safe and i am here to to give you the information and give you the guidance to hopefully make you feel a little bit better i am obsessed with your podcast I love everything about the Barbell Mamas podcast. And I tell you what, when I first turned it on, I was like, I don't know how like a solo podcast is going to be in my ears for for 30 minutes. Because most of the podcasts that I listen to are like two people, sometimes even three people going back and forth on a topic. And I was like, wow, Christina can carry 45 minutes on her own. And I am like, I'm gripping my steering wheel because I only listen to podcasts in the car. And I'm like hanging on every friggin' word you're saying. And I'm like, wow, she hasn't even stopped talking for 40 minutes. I bet she's tired. Because when I record podcasts, I'm like, sometimes I go on some sort of diatribe and then John talks and I'm like, whoa, I'm sweating. How long have I been talking for? And it's crazy because I, what I love about your show is even the topics that don't really apply to me are so fascinating that I am truly hanging off of every word. Like I did just listen to your weightlifting and powerlifting modifications during pregnancy, which truly does not apply to me as a CrossFitter, but it was so interesting to hear the different things that you, that you do or, or recommend to women who are in those positions. And also even to hear part of your backstory as, as a weightlifter, when you were in that competition mode of your life and, and the reasons that you, the personal reasons you can bring to the table of the, some of the things that you tried and, and worked or didn't work or why you did or didn't do it or why you wouldn't make those recommendations for people moving forward. It's, that's really fascinating. So that is, so that is just so great. I love everything oh, about it. Now does anybody want to listen to me for 30 minutes? Oh well, yeah, I do. Are you kidding? You're so eloquent too. And I do love that you you make the language totally digestible because I'm I'm sure that there's a lot in there that could be, you could easily like ratchet up to some like medical level. And I'm just over there being like, yeah, my butt hurts. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the technical term is for that, but like I'm in pain. So what does it mean? 
So I do, I love everything. I also think it would be a great resource for coaches. Really yeah. solid. If you have people who are going through different phases of their lives in your classes or in your gyms, the Barbell Mamas podcast can also be a really great resource for just like things to look out for, ways to modify, recommendations to make for women in different stages of life. Like it's really, really solid. Yeah, we've had some people ask us about doing like programming and stuff for coaches. Mm -hmm. That's just not really in the scope of what we want the Barbell Mamas to be. Like we really want to support pregnant women to keep exercising and postpartum women to feel supported returning to exercise. And that's been our narrow focus. And then the podcast is trying to support individuals who are going through this area of their life and saying, how, how do I also, when questions are popping up, even if it's questions with the program, can I give them an episode that I answer their question? But then I said, if you really want to deep dive into this, here's an episode that we did on this. You understand the reason behind why we are doing it because the other thing is that so many people are given these recommendations and then they aren't told why and mm -hmm. I am never offended if somebody asks me why we put this amount of programming in and sometimes we're wrong like I, there's times where I was like this feels like it'll be great oh no that was way too much or that was way too little and then we modify like we're human like we don't you know this is just something that that is not even our full-time job. It's something that we do as a support because you're right. Like we always try and create these resources that we wish that we would have had. Yes. And it's just, it's been wonderful. And I've, I've been really loving it. And we try and bring on guests on the Barbo Mama. So you don't always just have to listen to me. I've been doing a lot of solo episodes lately. I love it. Just things that I want, but love it. it out Please keep going with it. I'm obsessed with it. Truly. It, but it is, you know what? Our, my solo episodes are doing markedly better than is it interesting is you know why it's because the second you become pregnant if you're in our athletic space you're googling like like resources for how do i get, can i crossfit and pregnant can i lift and pregnant you know what i mean like and there's there's no friggin' study out there that can just say yes so people are looking for experts yeah. Wait, that was, let me go back to like something you just said. How in the world are you making time for this? Because you do all the things like you are, you have an actual job and you are seeing patients and you're also traveling and teaching and you also have two kids. Yeah. So also, I'm not you're really fit. You're also working out. Like, how are you doing all I'm of this? Try, trying to fit all the things. So I'm not, I'm not clinically treating right now. So I'm doing research. I teach with the Institute of Clinical Excellence and then I have two kiddos at home and work out on my own. And but, so really my husband is the magic behind the barbell Amazing. mama that nobody sees. So he does a lot of our editing for our videos and our, cool. uh, our stuff that he, I just record the podcast and, and do the programming modifications and stuff. And he really is the logistical backend. So awesome. there's a lot of times it's funny. We always joke that people think that they're talking to me about certain things. But it's not unless it's like a question that's specific to pelvic health that he'll toss it my way. Um, so he, we call him the dad behind the barbell mama. So I'm the mom behind the barbell mama and he's the dad. Oh, and so the it. dad is doing a lot of the stuff in the background. But as a coach himself, like we've done, when we had a brick and mortar business, we had a postnatal program and he's excellent at modifying and educating on the pelvic floor. It is just so phenomenal to see like like the way that we can educate our coaches of either gender this is not just a female yep. issue 
not just like a female issue for pregnancy postpartum, but also men, men have pelvic floor dysfunction too. Like totally. I talked about that with John when we were on that podcast before. And so, yeah, it's, he's behind it and he helps a ton with like logistics of it. So it allows us to do a lot more. And so we're really excited that we have some kind of projects coming up that I think will be really helpful for people. So just, that's very cool. I love that. I love that he's a part of it and supporting you and what you're doing. And also like, yes, I absolutely think that it's not, it's not a women's only space. I do think that sometimes women may feel more comfortable with a female coach or a female provider or a female clinician or or something along those lines, because, and, and not only female, but also like potentially mom type person who has quite literally lived through it in a sense. But I think the more people that we can educate and bring into the fold, the more opportunities we have to continue providing people the resources that they need. So the more the merrier, bring it on. Yeah, there is definitely no need for scarcity mindset at all, because there are plenty of people that need our help and not nearly enough providers or enough education. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be everybody's program. Like you're not, and if you're trying to be everybody's program, then you're not going to do a good job. Like my expertise is really around barbell training and CrossFit training. Like that is my jam. It is what I love. It is what I've been doing for 10 years. It is where my research area is now. It's what I teach on. And so our programs are not, or usually somebody going into trying to do a a commercial gym program, unless they're doing barbell specific stuff. Like we really have said like, CrossFit, powerlifting, weightlifting, that is our niche. If you love those things, we are a support for you. And there's a ton of really amazing programs that that speak to other areas of general fitness. And this is just where we we put like the hill that we are putting our flag on around who we want to serve. And so, yeah, we niched in that way. And so it's cool because people are starting to know us for yeah. that niche, which is what is what, and this is a loaded question. So take your time to think about it. But if, if, if there was one biggest misconception about training that style, barbell training, CrossFit, weightlifting during pregnancy, what do you think that is? What is the oh, biggest that's... misconception? Oh, there's already an answer. Go oh, ahead. that's, oh yeah. So everybody thinks that there is a safe or unsafe way of doing things oh, that's or that there are safe or unsafe exercises. Okay. And honestly, five years ago, Christina, three years ago, Christina would have said there are safer and unsafer options for barbell training. And I've really changed my tune on that. There is a option that is right, that you are ready for. And there is an option that you are not ready for. It is not safe versus unsafe. It is what, how do we match where you are during your pregnancy, during your life, in your fitness journey with the way your pelvic floor and core is feeling to the stimulus that I am trying to give you in this workout. Like I am trying to get your legs strong, but you're feeling pelvic pain and you are 35 weeks pregnant. How do I get your legs strong recognizing that you are experiencing this? And that answer would probably be that I would keep a barbell on your back. I would get you going to a bench and I would add a tempo so that mm-hmm. you're doing 
five seconds on the way down, five seconds on the way up. So your quads are shaking, but we're not loading up your pelvis in a way that's going to flare up your symptoms, for example. That sounds terrible, by the way. That sounds terrible, right? But it's going to get your legs strong and you're going to be able to resist. And then you're probably going to have that good blood flow and your pelvis hopefully is going to feel better after you do that session. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, this idea that there is one way that is safe and one way that isn't is something that I would do. And then like a part B is like this weight restriction, that there is this global amount of weight restriction or way that we should be modifying from a percentage perspective that is going to cause you to have better outcomes postpartum. Because some people are just not going to feel good loading up really heavy in their pregnancy, but then the next person beside them is going to PR their deadlift at 38 weeks. For some reason, mass moves mass. So the deadlift. Oh, I like to say ass moves mass, but yes. <laughs> but mass also got huge during pregnancy. So I was like trying to use it to my advantage. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh-huh. A friend of mine who's 37 weeks pregnant with her third, and she just posted on Instagram that she deadlifted 265 for a triple. I was like, dang, you just took my magazine. Yeah. That, that baby is probably going to come out deadlifting more than me. So there you go. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. That's so, great. Good yeah, for her. So those weights too, right? Like it's what works for one person is not the other. And so comparing one journey to the other is not appropriate either. There is no safe, unsafe. There is what works for your body and your pregnancy and what works for other people in their pregnancy. And also your own pregnancies are going to be different. You may feel like you were able to do so much more in your first pregnancy and not in your second, or you felt really sick with your first. Now you feel better with your second. It's just different. You know, it's really interesting something you said about not comparing the journey because I do think that that's like an unfortunate side effect of being in that phase of life is sometimes feeling really frustrated that you want to do more and and your provider's telling you not to or sometimes you're feeling really frustrated that people are PRing their deadlift at 37 weeks and you don't feel well enough or you just don't feel strong. Like that could be another thing too or that you don't even want to go work out. And feeling bad about yourself that you don't, you, I can't get to the gym and here's women PRing their shit. Here's fucking probably, here's Tia doing the most amazing epic shit on the planet at, at basically 40 weeks pregnant and I can't get off the couch and I'm only eating saltines. So I just feel like there's a, this, this comparison devil is just awful because here we are trying to facilitate an environment for women to make them feel supported in their journey. And it's like, for the most part, the women who really want to stay active while we feel like we're in the majority because we live in this very insular CrossFit space, we are really in the minority in the rest of the world. But if you are a CrossFitting woman who gets pregnant and decides not to continue working out for whatever reason during your pregnancy, like that is totally the right move for you. How do you also not feel isolated within the community of Instagram where people are like snatching a million pounds when they're halfway through their their pregnancy. That's tough. That's really tough. Yeah, it is. And I always laughed with like Tia because I was like, you would never compare your fitness to Tia. Why would you compare sure. like fitness? Like, and people in the comment section, I was like, Ugh, it was dumpster fire, dumpster fire in the comment section. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. did a whole podcast episode on her too because I was like, listen, we need to clear some things up. Yeah. yeah just have a conversation. Let's have a fireside chat about. Tia Claire to me and why we should not be judging her and let her do her own fitness journey. And she has a ridiculous amount of fitness that is definitely going to permeate into her pregnancy. 
and influence her postpartum journey as a professional athlete who does this for her job. We would never say to somebody, ooh, you shouldn't go back to your job in six weeks because it's not safe for you. Um, we recognize that we have to go back to our job. So no shit. Yeah. Uh, we could do a whole nother hour on that in and oh. of itself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Better in Canada, right? You guys have it like pretty legit out there. We have a 12 to 18 month maternity leave here that's subsidized by the government. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like I do a lot of teaching in the U.S. And I can, if somebody wants to wait six weeks and do absolutely nothing from a fitness perspective in Canada because they're going to have the year to rebuild. That's totally fine. But in the United States, where a lot of people are getting 12 weeks is really good, especially if they're getting paid for some of that time. If you have an active job, you have to do some work hardening like you would if you had an injury at work to get Mm -hmm. you back to be able to do workplace related activity. So there's a lot that goes into that conversation. And again, I did a whole other podcast about how to start exercising before six weeks and started to really debunk a lot of this like you have to do nothing like our six-week checkup is a medical clearance check right it's to make sure there's no lumps bumps infections and everything from the external surface and on the scar is and there's a lot of people who had a c-section who they never checked their vagina even though they pushed for two hours and it ended up not requiring or not progressing and then they had a c-section so you had that pelvic floor injury but then you had a C-section and they don't check those people's pelvic floor. So, you know, and, and this is because like the scope of the physician or our provider is to look for medical safety. Like that is the goal of that checkup. And I think we, we put a lot of pressure on our providers to give us all the information when that was not like what the scope of that, that appointment was. Right. And so how do we help our providers? How, how do we help them create bridges? I think is the question to have instead of being very negative. There's a lot of negativity online against a lot of birth providers for interventions or this or that or this decision making when we have to recognize their con- their context, their scope of practice, their liability, like all of these other things that oftentimes we don't think about when we're making some of those calls. I don't know why I just went down that tangent, but you no, know, I agree. I agree. I think that it's really interesting unless you're quite close to the medical field. It's really hard to understand the limitations of providers and what they're scoped to do and what they're trained to do and what they're, and like the lay person truly does not understand how that is to, to the lay person. A doctor like knows everything about everything, right? Like they're a doctor. They know everything. Mm-hmm. I can ask them about everything. And it wasn't until I married a pharmacist that I really had an understanding of like, the docs don't really know shit about medicine and they're not supposed to, and they don't have to. That's not their job. Like if someone, if someone needs a diagnosis, that's great. And then my husband will come in and be like, I think that this is the right medication at this dosage for this person. And that's, and that he works quite literally works in doctor's offices to help them with those, with those decisions. And he also sees, he also sees patients who are dealing with like long-term issues like diabetes and things like he quite literally you can make an appointment to see your NP or your PA or your MD or your pharmacist because he's he would rather counsel people on their diet and lifestyle and not put them on pills but that's neither here nor there unless you're really close to the medical field you don't really understand that your doc is supposed to do these three things and not these 30,000 things because even ROBs they're treating 
pregnant people, but they're also treating like a myriad of other women going through different phases of their lives and things. And so it is really hard. It is really hard to gain some perspective on what you need from them in that exact moment. That also left my six week check being like, that's fucking it. I'm going crazy at home here, lady. And you just saw me for six minutes being like, you don't need stitches. You look fine. Get the hell out of here. I'm like, yeah. And I remember being so livid. I'm like, she didn't even ask me the name of my baby. Does she even care about me? And Matt, my husband was like, she doesn't need to. That's not her job. Like you're healing. You're a healthy young woman. Get out of my office. I got sick people to deal with. You know what I mean? And that's sorry. Also a tangent, but same vibe. It's just really interesting when you look at the system as a whole as really what needs fixing. It's not just one thing or another. And it almost honestly, the, the issues are so large. It almost is just easier to not deal with them. Right. Yeah. And the, the key word that you said was system. Like that's mm-hmm. the idea, like the medic, the physicians and providers are working within a system that's supposed to help support them. And I feel like there's a lot of circumstances where they're not being supported. And so having providers like pelvic floor physical therapists who are like, let me help you. Yeah. Like in uh, Brazil, for example, there is a pelvic floor physical therapist at every maternity ward. It is. And the idea is so that that's not the job of the obstetrician. Like it is the job of the pelvic floor physical therapist to start re-educating on pelvic floor and, and help with scar and stitch management and all the types of things how to get a c-section scar moving and then we have other bridges and like in the the barbell mamas was meant to be the next bridge where we have our early postpartum work and then when you're like okay i want to start moving how do i respect where my pelvic floor and core is because also insurance reimbursements for pelvic pt is not that much so they have to Mm -hmm. see people every week or every two weeks and they can't set up an entire program for every single person. They just don't have the time to do that. And it takes a long time. So then how do we create this bridge? And then how do we create this bridge to fitness so that people in our CrossFit communities can be doing this like for life and, and support their pelvic health and support their bone health and their joint health? Like, mm-hmm. how do we really create this system where there are resources across the line? Of, of everybody's life, but we're talking within the snapshot of pregnancy and postpartum for the female. But, you know, it, this is really the way that we're going to create these longstanding changes in a person's health is by having them be supported. But if they're messaging during pregnancy and postpartum, you shouldn't lift heavy weights. Don't do this. This is dangerous for you. You're going to cause your organs to fall out. You're going to cause a permanent ab deformity, which is not true. Mm-hmm. We are going to start having individuals who at the age of 30 start to become afraid of movement. But we do not have a movement problem. We have a lack of movement problem. And I really truly believe that for women, the idea that they should be afraid or nervous or tentative about exercise starts for many during this time because they're getting nervous and then they never really get back to where they were before. And then they get pregnant again. And then they feel less fit than they were before. And then this, this cascade can happen. And then you're busy with life. And then perimenopause starts to happen. And then we get into the postmenopausal period. And then we get afraid of broken bones and fractures. Like there's just so many things that create fear. And so how do we stop that at the very beginning and say, you can be strong. Let me support you. Let me empower you with the education and the right buoys so that you can feel good 
with your decisions and know that there is someone in your corner to help you we, with that. We need referrals coming straight from the physicians. That's what we need. We need that nurse that I talked to three years ago when I was like, how much can I lift? Instead of being like, we recommend pre pregnant women don't lift more than 25 pounds. We need, oh, here's a referral to a program called the Barbell Mamas. And we need insurance reimbursement on your end for you guys to take on more women and grow and expand your program with more providers to be able to be resources for them. Like that's, we need that to start from within the system itself in order to yeah. become normalized and, and fuck those people who are like, the exercise during pregnancy is dangerous. So we have a lot of people on the Barbell Mamas from Europe because they have a wellness stipend. Amazing. So they get that. So they get a cover during their pregnancy as part of their care. And so we just send them an invoice that kind of outlines and they've had it completely reimbursed, which is really cool. We're starting to see more uh, European apps. So cool. Man, we got to get stuff changed. Good Lord. But I think creating connection, like you said, not just within your community, but within the birth provider space is how we do it. Like yeah. there's just, this is like a random soapbox, but I see so much negativity online attacking obstetricians and attacking midwives and, and all this type of thing. And there, there's absolutely an accountability that has to happen when trauma or negative birth outcomes are there. But to generally say that all obstetricians are just interventionists that want to create this cascade of interventions, for example, that's never going to spark change. It's going to create defensiveness and it's going to create divisiveness. And I really do think that connection is where, where we can really thrive, right? Like yeah. having podcasts like this, where you and I are creating connection and we're, we're talking and, and talking to other people. And then how can I help you advocate? Like when you had that person that said, don't lift more than 25 pounds, where I counsel is say, okay, I lift 200 pounds. Does that still apply to me? Right. Or I saw this research paper that was looking at heavy lifting during pregnancy that didn't see any bad outcome. Can I share it with you and have a discussion about it? Like, how do I equip you with the questions to ask your provider? And then you can also say, hey, I know this public floor physical therapist is doing this thing. I would love if like, would it be okay if I go to them? And then these people start noodling on these conversations. They're like, maybe it shouldn't be like blanket statements. Like there's just, there's so much learning that can happen from a space of connection than defensiveness that happens when we just blanket attack anybody. I hate blanket recommendations in general because the, it ruins the nuance, but yeah, there's just so much that we can do. And totally. I'm just pumped to be a part of it. Like my goal is like, how do I create this research to help providers feel good about allowing individuals to be strong during their pregnancy? Yeah. You could just go with the argument that Matt goes with every time. I wonder if I like push myself too hard or if I can do a thing or one thing or another thing. He's always like, I mean, the pregnant lion when she's like eight months pregnant still has to go out hunting for her entire pack. So I think you can probably go for a 400 meter run and be okay. <laughs> I'm like, you make an excellent point, sir. When he's just like, we're mammals, like all mammals across this planet, yeah. like continue on with their daily activity and their daily stress levels while pregnant. Like yeah. there's, there are no apes just like out there chilling at seven months because, because someone told them that they can't climb trees anymore. Like that's not how it works. So. Right. And we don't have to be afraid of symptoms either. Like if we have a day where we do too many pull-ups and our shoulder feels a bit cranky. We don't ever say, oh, I've just ruined my shoulder joint forever. 
right? right? But when we have a person that's peeing when they're doing double unders, like the idea is you're going to ruin your pelvic floor. And same thing postpartum, like we would never finish a surgery and say, oh, I expect you to have full range of motion, have all your function back, and you should never experience any pain after you get your cast off. No, we say like, this is probably going to hurt. We're really going to have to push you into a position that your body is feeling very stiff in, but long-term it's going to feel better. Right. And so postpartum, I am not afraid if a person is leaking, it's giving me a sign of where their symptoms are. Am I going to get them to continue pushing through them and completely disregard them? Absolutely not. But I am not afraid of your symptom. I actually want to know where they are so that I can work on creating more resiliency and empower you to make that ceiling before you experience symptoms that much bigger. And you know that they're not going to stop. Like that's the other thing too, is like that us as athletes are not going to be like, okay, this happened to me and I'm like not going to ever move again until we fix it perfectly. It's like, no, I'm probably going to go to the gym tonight again. So like, I don't really feel like peeing my pants the second time in a row. Like, is there anything I can do differently? Cause I'm still going. Like I'm yes. still going to go work out. You know 100%. what I mean? I'll go with you. Where? Perfect. Where can everyone find all of your things? If they're interested in learning more, if they want to become a part of it or listen to your show. Yeah. So the Barbell Mamas on Instagram, we have the Barbell Mamas podcast, which is on all of your Apple podcasts, Spotify, all of the jam. We also have some free resources on our website, thebarbellmamas.com. I did a webinar on returning to barbell training postpartum. We have some things like that. And we have a whole exercise library on modifying different things for different yes. movements that it's available. And we try and stay up to date with the blog as well around what to know about different floor conditions, like how to modify around this. So there's tons of resources on the website. We're just trying to create as much empowerment focused messages as we can. So that's where you can find all things about Mamas. Christina, thank you so much for coming talk and to you chatting about, about this. this Same. And I'm like, I know you'll be back because all of your other specialties honestly deserve their own episodes, but they really deserve their own like 10 episodes. But I love, love hearing what you're working on. And I love picking your brain on all this stuff because I just feel like you are the answer to what so many women in different stages of life are looking for. And I'm forever grateful that you didn't have it when you needed it so that you went out and made it truly I'm sorry that you had to deal with it that way but like I just feel like we're so very lucky that you have devoted so much of your brain space to this type of research for the betterment of all of us and I'm like obsessed with you and what you do so we'll have you back on the show again to talk about other things and other stages of life and in the meantime, everyone, please check out the Barbell Mamas and reach out if you have any additional questions. And also, I say this at the end of every show, but I'm totally open to more topics and ideas and guests for these Focus on Female episodes. So if you have any ideas or recommendations or things you want to hear about, slide right into my DMs. I try to get to all of them when my baby's not like crying. I guess he's not a baby anymore. When my toddler is not like crying or demanding a snack or waking up in the middle of the night. So mother it's better right it gets better right and then you do it again and then you do it again right of course you do it again yeah god we're in it we're in the thick of two right now there's a lot of feelings so for everyone listening thank you guys so much thank you for tuning into another one of these focus on female episodes and we will chat with you guys soon